Well, I'm very blessed today to have a, a good friend of mine, Pastor Monty Sears, and his wife Kelly. And they have pastored a great church, Christian Faith Center in Nampa, Idaho. And they have many uh, satellites, I think seven satellites off of the home church. And, and they're kind of in a transition now. They've, they've turned the main campus over to their son in the Lord. And uh, anyway, I'll let him explain that. But I want you to give them a great welcome. We're, um, we're going to have church today. Amen. We're going to have church tonight. We're going to have church Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night because it, it's, a, it's a rare time that we have someone of Monty and Kelly's caliber with us, and we're so thankful for it. And so I forgot to mention, you were also assistant superintendent of Idaho. So, so watch out. <laughs> Let's welcome Monty and Kelly today. God bless you. Thank you so much, Pastor. Yeah, it's such a privilege and honor to be with you today. And as we travel across the nation and get to encourage and help pastors, um, my, my strength in ministry, how many recognize anything good as a pastor that happens in his or her life is a direct result of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and their wife? <laughs> so uh, you're probably going to like me, but you're going to love my wife. And by the way... Um, in just a month, February 14th, we celebrate 40 years of marriage. So you need to give her a hand just because of that. How I many know oh, some people are harder to be married to than others? Yes, she's a saint. God bless you, Kelly. I was an extremely small child when I got married. Um, <clears throat> don't you love the Holy Spirit? He's amazing. Here's the beautiful thing. He loves you. And so he's been trying to get a message to you all day through the beautiful worship, through the lovely word that that precious lady shared, and through that vision that that young man had. Don't you love that he's pouring out his spirit on all flesh and your young men will see visions? Your old men will dream dreams, but he's pouring his spirit out on all flesh in this hour because he's coming soon. And as I was praying for you today, I... Uh, and our, our time together, because I do that, because I know God always wants to speak. And if I get a microphone, I believe he wants to speak through me. And so I was, as I was praying, um, I brought this shirt with me. It says life. And I wanted to wear this today because it is Sanctity of Life Sunday. But here's the thing. Jesus holds life precious every single day and gives us life in a precious way every single day. And so this scripture reverberated in my heart. Jesus was teaching and it says, so Jesus went over it again. I speak to you eternal truth. I am the gate for the flock. I am the gateway. You know, he's the only way. He's the only way. And then he goes on to say, to enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. He wants to keep those blinds closed on your life. But Jesus wants you to open up those blinds because here's his promise to you. But I have come to you 
to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. That is God's plan for you this morning. So if you haven't known him as the gateway, if you haven't known him as the one that gives abundant life and satisfaction and freedom, know him better today. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, honey. I want to begin my talk with you by sharing how grateful that I am to know your pastor. Uh, We've known each other for about uh, probably 11 years now. And, uh, you know, he finally invited me to come and minister at his church. So I don't know how much he likes me, but pastor, I do love you. And uh, I honor you and the first lady of this house. Um, You are one of a kind. Your heart for God, your love for your people, your dependence on the Holy Spirit. And just what Kelly and I experienced the last 40 minutes, we we travel a nation and preach. We don't see this everywhere. But how many recognize we need to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in all of his churches? So would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet and would you put your hands together for Pastor Milt and the First Lady of this house, Melinda? Pastor, we honor you, and we love you. Yeah, we were in his study, and uh, several people came in, some intercessors to pray. And Pastor began praying, and after his prayer, I was thinking inside, um, man, after hearing that prayer, I'd rather be sitting right next to you listening to him preach. Um, But it is an honor to be with you. I, uh, 41 years ago, was radically born again out of the drug culture in Northern California. On a Sunday night. We have service Sunday night, tonight. And I was raised in a fairly affluent home in Oroville, California, just north of Sacramento. Very popular, but very lost. I had been abused by my father all of my adult life, my uh, uh, young adult life, I should say. My father was a fighter. He fought on TV, fought the European welterweight champion of the world on TV. He got knocked out in the second round, but my dad went toe-to-toe with the world champion, and, and he, uh, he didn't take any lip, and I was very rebellious, and we had a very rocky relationship. And my friend invited me to Oroville First Assembly of God on a Sunday night. I wanted to date a girl by the name of Tammy. And he said, Monty, Tammy's going to be here tonight. So I thought, well, I'll show up. The crazy thing, what you need to know is Saturday night, I was getting wasted in the church parking lot, throwing my Budweiser beer bottles and breaking them. Um, And about, I don't know, 18, 20 hours later, in the same parking lot, I'm parking and I'm running to the altar and getting radically born again. How many recognize we serve a God that saves? And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I don't have a big pedigree. Um, I'm really no one special. But how many recognize it's God that makes us special? 
Yeah, so just a little bit about me. We've been in full-time ministry for 32 years, senior pastoring for 32 years, and we are eight months on the other side of succession. Uh, church we inherited uh, 15 and a half years ago, I guess it was, 300 people in 15 years. God grew it to about 6,500 people who worship there now. Seven campuses, two states, and uh, three languages, English, Espanol, Gloria, Adios, and Russian. And I don't even try to say anything in Russian because our Russian congregation, they're big and burly and, you know, even the girls, I'm sure they would take me out back and beat me up. But um, so we're on the other side of that eight months now. So pray for us. And we've given our lives now to pastors to help them navigate change and help their dreams to become a reality. So it is, again, an honor to be with you. And I love it that you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, but you also like to laugh. How many in the house you like to laugh? Okay. On the count of three, I want you to shout, that's when the fight started. One, two, three. Okay, number one. You ready? You asked for it. A man was standing in front of a full-length mirror, naked. He said to his wife, honey, I'm losing my hair, and everything on me is dropping. I'm getting downright ugly. And Kelly, don't say Amen. Please say something to encourage me, to which the wife said, Honey, your eyesight is 20-20. One, two, three. That's when the fight started. I asked my wife where she wanted to go for our anniversary, and she said somewhere that we haven't been in a long time, so I suggested the kitchen. One, two, three. Finally, finally, this is going so bad, my opening joke, finally, I asked, my, my wife asked, I asked my wife rather what she wanted on her 50th birthday, help me recognize that's a big birthday, 50th birthday, and she said something shiny that goes from zero to 250 in three seconds, so I bought her a scale. Um, come on, one, two, three. That's when the fight started. Dear Lord, help us. Would you please turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. And I, I, I am blown away by the confirmation of the Holy Spirit today. What you need to understand, one of pastor's intercessors um, just gave a prophetic word that was exactly what I'm preaching on. And then you had a beautiful lady come up to the altar just a moment ago and gave a powerful word from heaven. And I, I asked my wife and pastor, was she in that prayer meeting? And he said, no. I want to talk to you about the significance and the power of a name. I want to talk to you about the name that God himself gives him. Today I want to talk to you about I am that I am. I am that I am. The term I am, as it relates to God, is mentioned 300 times in the Word of God. 
300 times you can find the word I am associated with God. The first is Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. Last time is Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, 20, and 21. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. He who testifies to these things said, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be upon you all. Amen. Revelation chapter 22, verse 7, I am coming soon. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, I am coming soon. Revelation chapter 22, verse 20, yes, I am coming quickly. Heard a story of a renowned preacher, and he was preaching on this text. He was getting very animated. He was right on the edge of the stage, and the place was packed, and the first row of chairs was right here. And he was preaching that I am coming quickly. I am coming soon. I am he's animated. I'm coming soon. He lost his balance. And sitting on the front row was a beautiful 85-year-old great-grandma. And he fell right into her lap. Hush fell over the crowd. And he said, ma'am, I'm so sorry. And she said, oh, no, don't worry about it, preacher. You warned me that you were coming three times. <laughs> In the Gospel of John alone, this all-important phrase spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ himself is repeated seven times. Jesus repeats the word, I am. And the repetition, we see the fullness of his character. John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. John chapter 10, verse 9, I am the door. John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. In John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I want to continue this verse. He says, no one can come to the Father except through me. How many recognize there's not two ways to the Father? You, there's one way you've got to go through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to get to the Father. Can you say a great big amen? amen. And then the Bible says, in John chapter 15, verse 5, I am the vine. Names are significant. Names are prophetic. And I don't know if you've ever researched your name. I would encourage you to do that. I researched my name, Monty, and it literally means he who loves mountains. I'm an endurance athlete. I, I was known all over the nation as a moto pastor. I raced motocross my whole life, retired 13 years ago. Now I race bicycles and I do these crazy adventures out in the middle of nowhere, just me and Jesus. There's significance and power in a name. Names are prophetic. A couple of examples in Genesis chapter 17. Abram means father of nations. His name revealed his future. 
There was a man rejected by his family, falsely accused and thrown into prison. His name, Joseph, which means he shall increase. You see, his name revealed his future. And then there was a man who lived in fear, constant fear of his enemies. But God gave him a name that means he who strikes down, that's Gideon. You see, his name revealed his future. So here's the lesson that we can learn today. We have a tendency to see ourselves as we are, but God sees us not as we are, but as he has called us to be. And how many in the house are grateful that you're not, your identity is not based upon your past, but upon your future? Can you say amen? Can we just give the Lord a great big hand today? Man, oh man, do I have a past. But you know what? All of us have a past. My wife, her story, she's never known a day without the Lord. She got born again at four years of age in Sunday school. I can just imagine what she repented of. Lord, you know, I, I, I kicked my brother. I bit my dad. Please forgive me. You know, and here I'm this guy, 21 years old, born, radically born again out of a drug culture. But here's something significant about your past. You know, your past is like your belly button. You can't be here without one. Do not allow anything in your life to define you based upon who you used to be or what you used to be. Allow the Holy Spirit of God to define your life and become who He has called you to be. More than doing, becoming is of the utmost importance. Can you say amen? So I want to look at the name I am today. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. And, and in my church, there's a big clock. Um, what, what time do we usually get out of here? And I know usually people just say, just preach, but I want to, I want to honor your, your heart. It is, uh, well, mine says, is it 1.30? Oh, that's, that's Idaho time. Dear Lord, I'm already long-winded. <laughs> so it's 11.30? Um, 12, do you usually get out at 12? Okay. Is that okay? Noon? High noon? Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Um, Exodus chapter 3. And I want to read the first 15 verses. How many have ever heard a Sunday school lesson, a message on Moses standing before the burning bush? Let me see. I, I, I pray that the Holy Spirit reveals some really cool stuff to us today. The Bible says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And an angel of the Lord, remember that, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. It's a miraculous thing that was going on. Then Moses, in verse 3, said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord, now we have the angel of the Lord, verse 2, but look at verse 4. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God <laughs> called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. I believe that God is still calling people. And that young man who stood up and ministered to me today, wow. He said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. 
And he said, do not draw near this place. Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon, what does your Bible say? God. God is a three-generation God. Vision is not about a lifetime. It's about a lifeline. Any healthy church that's going to grow, you've got to have three generations in your church. And you've really got, it's easy for a church to grow older, and it's very hard for a church to grow younger. So you've got to honor children, young people, young adults, old people like me. Three generations. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face where he was afraid to look upon. This is crazy, almighty God. Verse 7, the Lord said, I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because they're taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down, I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land, land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Parasites and the Hevites and the Jebusites and the Termites. Wait, that's not that term. Now therefore, behold, listen, listen. The cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptian oppressed them. God hears you. God sees you. God hears you. And God sees you. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So here we go. So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of, not if, but when, you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, here we go, listen, listen. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his, what does your Bible say? Name. What is the name of your God, Moses? What shall I say to him? And God said to Moses, he could have named many names, but notice the name that God himself chose. He said, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord your your, your, your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me. This is my name forever. This is my name forever. Father, would you take just the next few moments, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for such an anointed worship service that has prepared our hearts to receive the word of God. And Father, I ask that you just speak to each and every one of us, certainly corporately, but just as importantly, individually today in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I have a, just a couple of thoughts for you. First of all, I want to talk to you about the I am of the Old Testament. Now, notice with me that when Moses was called by God, what was the very first thing that God asked Moses to do? To take off his sandals. It seems small and insignificant, doesn't it? Oftentimes, what I have learned in 41 years of living and loving and leading with the Lord in my heart, is that it's not always the big, you know, resounding, thus saith the... Oftentimes, it is the small, in seemingly insignificant things that God has asked of Kelly and I. Moses, take off your sandals. Can I tell you, it's in the small, seemingly insignificant acts of obedience that lead you into big places. And I'm not saying there's not the thunderous, thus saith the Lord. But I'm convinced in my walk with Jesus and leading and pastoring for 32 years, it was all of those times of the small acts of obedience, the small acts of faith, seemingly small and meaningless, that has led to tremendous places, certainly bigger than Kelly and I are. It's the smallest of motions that change the world. And what Moses is asking in this text is God for his personal name. And we read it in verse 13 and 14, I am that I am. What is your name? I am who I am. I am, verse 14, has sent me to you. Now, it's interesting. I am in the Hebrew literally means Yahweh. And would you like to know what Yahweh means in the original language? Redeemer, Deliverer, Savior. Let's say it on the count of three together. One, two, three. Redeemer, Deliverer, Savior. One more time. Redeemer, Deliverer, Savior. Now, I am in the context of Scripture is found 300 times in the Bible. Would you like to guess how many times Yahweh is found in the Old Testament alone? 6,000 times. I believe God wants us to know that He is our Redeemer, our Deliverer, and our Savior. Can you say amen? What Wasilla needs is the Redeemer, the Deliverer, the Savior. What America needs is the Redeemer, the Deliverer, and the Savior. Can you say a great big amen? amen? Noah found grace in the eyes of Yahweh, Genesis 6. His name releases grace. God wants us to know that he alone can restore what's been destroyed. That he alone can take the shattered pieces of our lives and put them back together again. Can you say amen? <clears throat> Secondly, I want to talk to you about the I am of the New Testament. Would you go in your Bibles to John chapter 8? John chapter 8. And this is really fresh revelation for me personally. And I'd like to begin reading in verse 56. The I am of the Old Testament, the I am of the New Testament. 
John chapter 8, verse 56 is what the Bible says, Jesus speaking. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, are you not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham? Verse 58, one of the most profound, life-altering scriptures in the 31,102 scriptures in the word of God. Listen to this. And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, the Bible says, I am. So which part of God's character did Abraham deal with? Yahweh. Of all the names that he could have chose, he chose Yahweh, Redeemer, Deliverer, Savior. What Jesus was literally saying was, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus was saying, I am the one who dealt with Abraham. I am the one who saved Noah and his family. I am the one who spoke to Moses in the burning bush. I am. Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I believe it's the most profound moment in Scripture, with the exception of the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection. He literally stood to the people in the temple, and Jesus said, the Yahweh of the Old Testament is standing before you now. All right, Revelation, wow. God in the flesh, in the beginning was a Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth through the Lord Jesus Christ. How many love the Lord today? Can we just give him one more hand? Come on, we, can we put, Lord, we love you. Okay. The I am of the old time is standing before you now. And I wonder what their response was. Grateful we're not, you know, we don't have to guess, but it's recorded. You would sure think that they would just fall on their face or get on their knees before the I am and just begin worshiping. But no, that's not what happened. Look at what the, what the Bible said. And then they took up stones. Am I reading this right to throw at him? Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. This happened in the church, in the temple. Going through the midst of them and so passed by. This was a supernatural occurrence that he went through the midst and he, he passed by. How many recognize that Jesus has no limitation? There's nothing he cannot do. There's no one he cannot save. There's no one he cannot forgive. I never want to I, I, I think we have 54 paid employees at our church in Idaho and a whole bunch of pastors. And my big thing that I always challenge them with is here's my biggest fear in ministry is you can learn to do it. I always want to lean and be dependent on the Holy Spirit. 
I always want to make sure that my words are not mine, but His. That's why I always read a lot of Scripture when I preach. Do you remember when Jesus rose from the dead and they're in the upper room and they're praying? They're actually a little bit fearful. The door's locked and He just walks through the wall. They picked up stones to kill Him and they built walls with, with mortar and block and, and rock. You know, the things that we build up in our lives, I don't know if you're anything like me. Have you ever been hurt or betrayed or let down? All of us have. And we build up these walls and, and really around our heart, and I, I'm not going to love again. I, I gave that person a chance. They'll never gonna, and we, we live behind these walls. We live nominal lives. We refuse to let anybody in. And I got a word for someone today. It's time to start loving and trusting again. Jesus wants to walk through the wall that you have built and bring freedom, hope, and help, and life where you've been hiding. And finally today, I want to talk to you about the I am of your life. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How many just want to hold on to that word? I am with you, even to the end of the age. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, the Bible says, don't don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you, and I will never abandon you. Another translation reads, I will never leave you, never, and I will never loosen my grip on your life. There have been many seasons in ministry and just my walk with God that uh, my, my, my grip became weak and and he'll remind me that, that his strength is revealed and my weakness, and I'm grateful that his grip is stronger than mine. How many have loved ones in other cities and states or countries that you wish you could be there to walk them through what they're walking through? Listen, when we can't be there, I am is there. And the Bible said, I will never, ever loosen my grip on your life. And how many recognize that nail-pierced hand, he has a good grip on our life. He's got a grip on your marriage, on your resource, on your family, on your children. Some children seem like it going crazy, but God has a grip on their life. And prodigals come home. Can you shout amen? I am of the Old Testament, the I am of the New Testament, the I am of your heart. I ask you a simple question. Who died for your sin? Jesus. I am. Died for your sin. And I like to get personal as I close. And, and that's not a word written in concrete for any preacher, is it? Finally or in conclusion or close. But I, I want to get personal if I could with you today. You see, I see my name in his name often. Let me give you a couple of examples in my notes. You see, I see my name in his name. I am sinful. I am separated. I am abandoned. There have been times where, God, I am alone. I am condemned. I am guilty. I am hurting. If you don't think pastors bleed, you are mistaken. 
Guard your pastor's life and his anointing. Pray for the first lady. The most wounded, abused people in a church normally, and I haven't talked about this at all, but it is the pastor's wife. You guys, God has called you here to pray and to guard the anointing upon their lives. But I often see, you know, God, I, I am hurt. I am broken. I'm confused. I'm lost. I'm done. Numerous times in ministry, I'm finished. But when I look at the cross, when I look at that cross, I see my Redeemer, my Deliverer, my Savior shouting to me 2,000 years ago, Monty, son, I love you so much. I can hear him screaming through the blood. The blood streaming from his hands and his feet. From his face, his back, and his side. I can hear him and see him screaming, Monty, I am condemned. I am your sacrificial lamb that takes away your sins. I am guilty. I am judged. I am broken. I am crushed. When I look at the cross, I see my Savior saying, I am rejected. I am finished. And He dies for the sin and the stench and the filth of humanity. Dear ones, what happens following the death, the burial of I Am, the Redeemer, the Deliverer, the Savior? What happens next? Something significant happened on the third day. On the count of three, let's just scream, He rose from the dead. One, two, three. He rose from the dead. Doesn't that feel good? Can we say it one more time? He rose from the dead. And it's in the resurrection of I am that we discover our new I am. I was dead, now I am alive. <laughs> I was defeated, now I am victorious. I was bound, but now I am free. I was sick, but now I am healed. How many in the house love the Lord? Can you say amen? Yahweh, I am Redeemer, Deliverer, Savior. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I, I, I want to land the plane if I could today. Um, I've seen God do so many miraculous things. I've seen God raise someone from the dead. Um, I, I'm going to talk about some of the miracles that we've seen over the years. Um, I was, uh, I was uh, beaten up as a child, um, probably from 10 to 18 years old. When I was 18, last time my father beat me up, he was on top of me, punching me. And he said these words to me. He said, Monty, I want to let you know something. You're not even my son. <laughs> That's when I found out that I was adopted. There's better ways, trust me, to find out that you've been adopted than that. And what drew me to Christ, to the Father, oh, I had all kinds of sin and shame. But it was the aspect that there, there was a heavenly Father in heaven? 
that would never hurt me and knows all about me and loves me anyway? And I ran to Jesus. So I've always dealt with this, you know, wishing my dad would have. And we, we, we restored our relationship. And, and three days before he passed away, I led him to Jesus. I'm going to get to hang out with my daddy forever. But I was born to be a papa. The most important person in my life growing up was my papa. He never hurt me once. He just loved me. And uh, we have two children. Bethany is the oldest and Ryan. They're both married. And for, I believe, eight years, Bethany and Lucas tried getting pregnant and they couldn't. The doctor said these words, you'll never have a child. And they did the in vitro. They spent all of their money trying to get pregnant. Bethany got pregnant with twins, lost them um, three weeks later. We were devastated. All my buddies, man, they got five grandchildren, six grandchildren. I just longed. It was just an area in my life that was lacking. It was broken. Bethany and Lucas would come over, and she told us what the doctors say. And she just said, Mom, Dad, I am barren. Doctors said, we'll never have children. They spent everything on in vitro, and it just didn't work for them. I know it works, and I'm pro that. I'm just telling you my story. And they gave up. And uh, it's about a year and a half later, Bethany and Lucas said, hey, Mom, Dad, can we come over to your house? Well, obviously, come on over. They came over, and they said, hey, let's go in the kitchen. Yeah, that's where the food is. My kids are wise. And I'll never forget, Bethany looked mom and dad, us in the eyes, and she started crying. And she said, Mom, Dad, I am with child. Naturally, I am with child. And she gave birth to Jada Ray Wheeler. And we wept, we celebrated. I, I love the name Jada. I didn't know what it meant. Names have meaning. Names are prophetic. I mean, if they would have called Jada, you know, donkey, it would have been the best name in all, but they named her Jada. Do you know what Jada means in the Latin? Remember, doctor said, no, I am barren. But the I am of the Old Testament, the I am of the New Testament, stood before my daughter and my son-in-law, and do you know what Jada means? Doctor said no. Jada means literally God knew. And I, I got we got a couple of pictures. I gotta show you my, my grandchildren here. I, yeah, just yeah. Well, there we go. Nice Jada on the right. Jada Ray. Their second child is Jackson. He's in the, the orange there. Jackson Danger Wheeler. His middle name is Danger. How I many know he's gonna grow up and be just like his papa? And then that's their, their latest, the little one. That's Jazzy. Pray for Jazzy. She needs Jesus. She is crazy. She's so sweet. And then my son, that's his son. My name is Monty Ray. My son is Ryan Ray. And that's Brighton Ray Sears. You see, I don't know what you brought to church with. I don't know your context. I don't know your struggle. I don't know your pain. But the God that stood before Moses at the burning bush stands before you now. 
The God that stood before the scribes and the Pharisees in the temple is the God that stands before you now. There is nothing that he cannot do. There is nothing that he is not willing to do. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads all over the, the room and can we play something softly? Father, thank you for strengthening me and, and helping my voice, healing my voice. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I certainly sense your presence here. And I pray that faith and hope would rise in this place. <laughs> Lord, you're so faithful. You're so good. And every time I look into the face of my grandchildren, I know that there's nothing that you cannot do and that all things are possible. So Holy Spirit, would you survey the heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl here today? Maybe there's even one that is a good person but is not right with you. Maybe they have a head knowledge of you but not a heart knowledge. God, today, would you change that? Holy Spirit, would you reveal Jesus to all of us? Maybe there's somebody here today that you knew the Lord in a personal way, but you kinda, you're kind of, you're on the outskirts. You're on the, kind of on the, on the edge, on the fence. Maybe you're not where you should be and you know it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and I know that there are people watching online right now. If you would say, Monty, um, I need Jesus today. I'm not where I should be with the Lord. Would you please pray for me with no one looking around? If that's you, Pastor Monty, please pray for me. I need to give my life to Christ. I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. Would you please pray for me? Can I see your hands all over the building? Just raise them so I can see them. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Lord bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. I know that there are people watching online. God wants to change your life. Hey, if he can change mine, certainly he can change yours. Could I ask you to stand your feet all over the building? And uh, how many recognize that this is not a church to go to? This is a family to belong to. We had probably 12 people that responded that they're going to drive a stake in the ground, make Jesus their Savior and their Lord. Can we celebrate with them? Again, we're family. This is a great family. <laughs> our lives are the product of our choices. And by you choosing Christ today, your li life as you know it is over. It's going to get better and better because he's with you. And I'm going to ask you to bow your hearts before the Lord. Pray this prayer out loud. Those of you who raised your hands, pray it with all of your heart. All of us out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, let's all pray it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today just as I am. Father, please forgive me for the mistakes that I have made, for the sin in my life. I'm sorry, and I repent. Jesus, I believe you died on a cross. You were buried in a borrowed tomb, rose from the dead on the third day, according to Scripture. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Redeemer, my Deliverer, and my Savior. I'm going to live for you all the days of my life. And I thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we put our hands together? Thank you, Lord.